Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Today we celebrate what I believe is one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. Our Blessed Mother's visit to her cousin Elizabeth while they were both with child. I love this feast. It's, I've actually named my home chapel in honor of the feast of the visitation. When we read about this story in Luke's Gospel right in the first chapter, we can see that it is prominently situated there in the beginning of his Gospel and it's a, it's a module in a very long parallelism that Luke constructs between Jesus and John the Baptist. Right after Luke introduces his gospel in the first few verses to the most excellent Theophilus, he begins this construction of this parallelism. And within this parallelism between Jesus and John and other characters, uh, Mary and Elizabeth, for example. He also includes several chiastic structures. And the visitation story sits right at the dead center of the first chiastic structure. Now, you might be thinking, parallelisms, chiasms, this doesn't sound like, you know, a Sunday morning sermon. This is getting a little technical for me. Um, but I don't know what to tell you. This is what I am serving you today. This is what your mother is putting on your plate, so eat up. Um, actually, actually, I'm actually giving you dessert, is what I'm giving you, okay? It might sound a little technical, but I'm giving you the dessert first, if you get it. And I, hopefully you will. <laughs> I, I started by saying that this is a beautiful story. So you see, this is dessert. <laughs> this is a beautiful story. Don't be looking for any moral admonitions here. If you don't know how to just delight in the beauty of God, then you're really missing something. This is a beautiful story, and this story of the visitation lies right at the center of the big beautiful story of Jesus and our salvation. Oh, and it has babies. There's no puppies, but there's babies. And who doesn't love babies? So, Listen, here is going to lay out to you the events, the components of, of his parallelism in order, as Luke lays them out in order, and this is right at the beginning of his gospel. A, first, Gabriel announces John's birth to Zachariah. Zachariah doubts. B, Gabriel announces Jesus' birth to Mary. Mary believes. C. The next thing that happens is the visitation. Mary visits Elizabeth, and Jesus visits John. 
back to A. John is born to Elizabeth, who was barren, back to B. Jesus is born to Mary, who is a pure virgin. That's the first chiasm in the story. And the visitation is right at the center of it. We have A, B, C, A, B. A little different structure. At any rate, I'm going to come back to this in just a moment, to the visitation itself. But before I do, I want to talk a little bit more about this ongoing parallel that Luke structures between John and Jesus, who were, remember, cousins, also an important factor. Now, there's too many details. <laughs> it's too rich. We could write a book on this to go over. But I want to mention a few of the parallels. The first being that the time, that the time between Jesus' birth and the beginning of his ministry, as he's growing up, Luke places Jesus in his father's house, in the presence of God in the temple. While with John, we know the time between his birth and his official beginning of his ministry, John is in the wilderness, maybe with the Essenes, who knows. But he was sent out there as a little kid, and there actually was a structure in that time period for that to happen. And in the medieval times and earlier, monasteries would take children in and raise them. And there was a sort of monastic community there that John could have possibly been taken in by. At any rate, Jesus is in the temple, John is in the wilderness. Now if you're not putting two and two together, I'm going to give you a hint. Elizabeth is suffering from being barren while her son dwells in the demonic wilderness. Mary, the pure virgin, and her son dwells in the temple in the presence of God. Start to see these parallels, okay, between the two. Let's pick up again with Luke's thread. After Jesus is born, and he gives us these few details of his early years, the next thing that happens, the next story, is John's ministry begins, and he begins by preaching a gospel of repentance. And we know a gospel of the kingdom. That's A. Then B, John baptizes Jesus. And then A, Jesus' ministry begins, just like John's ministry begins after his birth. And Jesus comes preaching repentance and the kingdom of God. We've got another little mini chiasm there in those three stories. Now the parallelism between John and Jesus continues in the Gospels to the very, very end. John confronts the kingdom of this world, confronts Herod. He gives his life. For it, he goes into Sheol, according to tradition, and he preaches to the captives, preparing the way for Christ. Jesus also confronts the kingdom of this world. He gives his life, he descends into Sheol, and he sets the captives free. There was just lots and lots we could say. Spend many hours talking about John and Jesus in this parallel. But I just wanted to give you a few, touch on a few things so that you can see this is a real thing. And Luke certainly constructs this parallelism between them in the beginning of his gospel and throughout. I mean, you also have Mary and Elizabeth. But this whole construction, Mary being the new Eve, Elizabeth being a daughter of Eve, the barren one. But this whole construction is, is, is really remarkable. But today what I want to really emphasize is how the visitation and this story of the visitation lies at the center 
at the center of this whole construction of Luke's. It's like a pearl in the center of a brooch. It's right in the middle, and it's so beautiful, and so tender, and so loving, and so profound. St. Paul calls Jesus, to the Corinthians, he calls Jesus, refers to Jesus as the last Adam. So there are many, many Adams, and then there's Jesus, and he's the last one. He's the last Adam, and he also refers to him as the second man. So there's two men. There's Adam and Jesus. There's two races of men, that's what he's saying. There's the first Adam and his descendants, Noah and Abraham, Moses and David and all the rest, some good, some bad. Then there's a new humanity born in Christ, Christ who is the second man, and we find our new birth in his birth and death and resurrection. And I would remind you, Jesus' favorite self-designation was Son of Man. Now we know, we know, even though Paul calls Jesus the second man, we know that Jesus is actually, Paul also refers to him as the original man, the man that God intended all along, the archetype of man, whom Adam was originally made in the image of. So when he says second man, he doesn't mean he's plan B. Okay, he doesn't mean that. What he means, he's second in terms of his, the historical timeline. But he is, in fact, in the mind of God before the first Adam. He is, of course, preexistent and eternal, the Logos, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, who takes flesh from the womb of the Blessed Virgin and whom we know as the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. But he is the beginning and the end, and he is the purpose for which all things exist. So he's not a second thought. And we have this parallel between the two men and the two races of Adam. Adam and Jesus. Adam and Jesus. So what does that parallel between Adam and Jesus have to do between, with the parallel that Luke constructs between John and Jesus? One of these, John's mother was barren, and John dwelt in the wilderness. The other, Jesus' mother, was a pure and holy virgin, and Jesus dwelt with his father in the holy temple. John, among his race, was the greatest born of women. He was the greatest son of Eve, the first Eve. The old Eve. St. John the Baptist, the greatest son of Eve. The son of Eve. His mother Eve had become barren and cast into the wilderness because of her sin. But she was his greatest son. After a long line of Adam's toiling in the wilderness and the pain of childbirth, in the fullness of time, at the watershed of history, the last and greatest descendant of the old Adam was conceived of a barren woman, and he lived in the desert. And this man, John, also happened to be the cousin of the new man, the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And these two meet today. Remember when Adam sinned? He was filled with shame and fear. What did he do? He used to walk with God, commune with God, the cool of the day, he had union with God. He hid himself. He hid himself in the bushes. God, in great humility, by the way, 
I mean, we shouldn't, God shouldn't be coming looking for us. That's not how things should work. We should be going and looking for him. But while man's hiding in the bushes for fear and shame, God in his humility and mercy and love, he goes looking for the man. To woo him back to his bosom and to his fellowship. The man hid there in shame and fear. Man rejected the visitation of God. Adam rejected the visitation of God. Again and again throughout history, God mercifully visited man and poured out his love and his power. He continually wooed man back to himself. But it again and again, man hid from God. Again and again, man rejected God's visitation, trapped in fear and unbelief. And Adam's tragic and shameful, ongoing, incessant rejection of the visitations of God ends Today. Ends today when the Son of God visits the greatest of Adam's descendants while they are just babies in the wombs of their mothers. John does not cower and hide. He rejoices and he leaps for joy. He is not gripped by fear or shame. Rather, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he receives his Savior, even as a babe, in the womb of his mother. Think of the words of Christ. I say to you, unless you be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.